This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. I'm Courtney Brinkerhoff. I am a partner at Foley & Lardner LLP, and I work mostly in the biotech, chemical, and pharma space. Well, I think the first thing that practitioners need to do is to actually pay attention to drafting and reviewing the patent assignment. A lot of times we have these form documents, and it's okay to use those as a starting point, but it's important to go through each document to make sure it fits the situation at hand. For example, you need to make sure that the assignment reflects the actual transaction, who is transferring what right to whom, and when was the invention already made, is it being made, or is it an assignment of future invention. The wording of an agreement can impact a party's standing to bring suit, particularly if the court finds that the agreement looks more like a license rather than an assignment. As a general rule, only the patent owner has standing to enforce a patent. So for standing, the agreement should be an actual assignment of rights. So the courts will look at the document to determine whether it is transferring the full bundle of patent rights or whether key rights were retained by the transferring party. Of course, the language that should be avoided or included depends, again, on the specific transaction. But the recent Stanford v. Roche case from the Federal Circuit and the Supreme Court highlights the importance of using the present tense even when you're assigning an invention that hasn't been made yet. So a common phrase to use is that the assigner agrees to assign and does hereby assign, even if you're referring to future inventions. That does hereby assign language can be important to vest the rights in the assignee as soon as the invention is made rather than requiring another agreement to be executed. And as for language to avoid, it also depends on which party you're representing. The assignee might want to define the conveyed subject matter broadly, while the inventor might want to retain rights to possible future improvements. But as before, for standing, the agreement should convey the right to enforce the patent and should not retain that right for the assignor. The recent MHL PET case from the Federal Circuit shows the importance of the words that are used to describe the property being transferred. If a patent is already granted, it's easy to refer to the patent or to the granted claims. But for an, a patent application, the claims can change. So in that case, it is common to refer to the invention that's described in the application. On the other hand, the MHL PET case shows that that language can have a broad reach if there are other applications that have overlapping disclosures. So again, it really is just going to be important to approach this on a case-by-case -case basis. A carve-out can be tricky situations, so you do have to be careful when you're drafting agreements with a carve-out to make sure that it's going to be treated as an assignment rather than a license, if that's what the parties intend. But if the agreement conveys the full bundle of patent rights for the subject matter being transferred, and the scope of the carve-out is clear, it is possible to have an assignment with a carve-out. So the full bundle of patent rights includes the right to make, use, and sell, and then to exclude others. The scope of an assignment is going to depend, of course, on the specific language that's used. And it is common for assignments to expressly refer to continuation applications. Again, the MHL PET case indicates that an assignment of inventions and discoveries can extend not only to continuations, but also to other patents that claim subject matter that was described in the referenced application. That may or may not be the intended result of the parties. 
So again, even with standard language, you're going to want to step back and consider what the intended transaction actually involves. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.